Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me. It's great having you and being part of this community where we are uplifting ourselves, we're tuning into the possibilities, the infinite possibilities that we all have to create a better life, to um, live from our heart with compassion, with gratitude, and to open to the many ways that we can really heal ourselves. And I just uh, love having these conversations. They really uplift me, and I'm sure your feelings are likewise. And I do want to say, if you are listening for the very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you'll be coming back every week. And if you'd like to get these shows sent to you, the archived version of these interviews, then you can either go to my website, which is Dr. Cheryl Selman. You can either opt in there or on that homepage, you can listen to the archive shows right there. There's a link on that homepage. Or you can go over to my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know. Because, uh, by the way, that's the name of the other show I do on Progressive Radio Network every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. It's called What Women Must Know. So if you go over and like that page, I post every show on my Facebook page. So, you know, either way, you can be sure to listen to these wonderful, inspiring, uplifting interviews. Um, I just have one announcement, and that is... I am organizing a very special group to visit Bhutan. And if you've listened to the interview I did last week with Kinley Tsering, uh, it was a great interview and um, really inspired me about the opportunity to visit one of the most unique countries in the world. So that's in October uh, of 220, even though it seems like it's a long way away when you visit Bhutan because they only have a very limited number of visas and hotels and only one flight in a day, you have to commit early on. So if you are interested in learning more, then please contact cypresshimalaya.com. That's the tour company that is organizing this amazing 12-day trip. That's um, October 19th through 31st. It really is an experience of a lifetime, and I guarantee you it would be life-changing because Bhutan is a magical, magical country, unique in the world. So um, uh, if you're interested, you want to know more, check out CypressHimalaya.com, and uh, I think they're requiring a uh, refundable deposit sometime to be put down in January or February. So think about it. Think about 2020. Think about a great adventure you could take. Think about a life-changing, transformational experience, a healing experience. All of that is found in Bhutan, and we're going to be jumping in and experiencing all those facets of this amazing country. So that's uh, that's the trip to Bhutan of 2020. Might be on your on your list, or maybe on your bucket list. Come join me. And uh, let's talk about um, a, a new book that's just been released, and it is called Living Full Circle, Simple Ancient Rituals for Modern Life. And the author is Dondina Bradley. Let me tell you a little bit about Dondina. She is an expert in identifying the benefits of holistic health practices and translating them into practical approaches that people can adopt into their lives. She has spent thousands of hours challenging teens to deliver breakthroughs in health and wellness innovation in diverse cultures 
at a number of Fortune 500 companies. And she has shared her conviction at TEDx Orange County in the talk, Let's Create a Society Addicted to Health. Her formal education includes a Doctor of Philosophy in Food Science from The Ohio State University and a Master of Science in Nutrition from Purdue University. She is a curious explorer, an avid reader, believes in a broader view of health, and loves spending time in the great outdoors. And we congratulate her uh, for being the author of this brand new, hot off the press book, Living Full Circle, Simple Ancient Truths for Modern Life. So it's my pleasure to welcome Dondina Bradley to the show today. Hello, Dondina. Well, hello. Thank you very much. I so appreciate uh, your invitation. Well, congratulations, first of all, on your new book. Very exciting to have a book out into the world, isn't it? It is. It's uh, such a different uh, path and all the time and that it takes and what, it, you know, all the gifts that come from it, too, has um, been just a real experience for me that's very different. So I'm very happy to be able to talk about it and hope it has the impact that I want it to have. Well, I'm sure it will. And, yeah, we have lots of time to talk about it. And I want to start off by talking about you, Dundina, and share a little bit about your journey. And you've been doing some amazing things. And uh, share with us, how, you know, just, just how that journey unfolded for you in your life. Wow. So where to begin? I I would say that I grew up in a community that really didn't have a lot of access to what I would say affordable health and the community relied on each other and and in particular my father uh, being a pastor of a church and my mom kind of the music teacher if you will there was always this conversation about helping people and helping people feel better and one specific memory that I have is just watching my grandmother really struggle with diabetes and type 2 diabetes and you know that led to um, just a lot of struggle and with her eyesight an amputation of her toe and but I just vividly remember the conversation around the table around what she can eat and what she can't eat and always the angel food cake would appear, which just seemed to me so ridiculous that that was the, you know, number one suggestion for an individual living with diabetes for their dessert. And anyhow, that led to my own curiosity and exploration of what is this space of medical food and what does it mean and noticing liquid in a can and a lot of, you know, sugar and just ingredients that didn't make sense. And so I set on a path in terms of an exploration, which led me um, to, I guess, my degrees. Um, my master's in nutrition was in the lab of Connie Weaver and April Mason, and they are pioneers in the area of nutrition, in particular selenium and, and calcium. And that started to raise a lot of questions about how foods are made. And I opened my eyes to this world of food science, which Frankly, I didn't even know existed um, as when I was younger. And so that's all about the, the art and science of putting together foods that people can, can utilize. And 
anyway, I could talk about that forever, but it really just led me into um, what I would say areas of development specifically focused on individuals with diabetes or individuals living with obesity and understanding kind of the behavioral aspects of that, um, the the products and services that, that exist and, and how to improve them uh, given the complexity of living with these um, conditions and the emotional support that's needed in all of that. And so I would just say my whole career has been spent almost collecting the skill set that's needed to be able to create something that is more for the individual, more for the human, more for that person um, struggling, and um, which kind of led to this book. <laughs> so the book is uh, it's a bit of a of a, a change in some regards from the focus you've had on health and um, looking with diet, nutrition, support, and and then moving into a book that's focused on simple ancient rituals. Um, how did that happen? So part of my path and journey has been um, with the Weight Watchers company, and it's now formally called WW. But my role there was really to look at the community, support the community, and really find ways that beyond what they would call the scale, um, beyond more of the traditional approach to weight management. And, you know, I applaud WW for taking that stand and looking more broadly beyond just the weight on the scale. And my role became understanding how to really support individuals in creating self-awareness and self-discovery so that as they started to see success in their lives, um, they had more tools that were accessible for them to pull in that became kind of more of their everyday life. And as a part of that, um, when I left back in February of 2017, um, I found myself wanting to really dig deeper into that space and understand the the genesis, if you will, of what's now this growing wellness economy, right? We've got a wellness economy that's reported to be over, you know, $4 trillion. And that stems from, you know, one, just people's shifting from a more health focus to a more holistic well-being focus, and that's increased wellness tourism. Um, I think it kind of describes your announcement, right, about the visit to Bataan, right. understanding <laughs> happiness and all of that, all of that work. And, you know, so – complementary medicine, lifestyle medicine, mind-body connection. And on one hand, while that landscape um, is so broad, as people move into that area, it's a little overwhelming. And so, you know, for me, um, as a an individual who really tries to connect dots and create things that are more integrative for an individual, I, I said, you know, I'm going to just go back and, and – spend the time and get a certification in holistic healing. And it was with a group of Our Veda World um, downtown in Manhattan. And that led me over the 150 hours and nine weekends and a lot of, you know, conversation and a heartfelt transformative experiences with my fellow um, um, individuals who were also there for the course. Um, we... I just started to see 
how confusing it is and how hard it is to take in and started to sketch and uh, have conversations with other people about did this make sense or what's how am I going to get over this inertia to actually try that? Um, and so these sketches and you know what I call stripping down these rituals to the bare bones um, beyond kind of how they generally live in the world with a lot of different languages and genesis from different religions and lifestyles. My goal was to just strip it down to the most simplistic way and try it with individuals and see what happens. And so that became kind of the the beginning of these rituals, right, that just were seemingly more accessible. But the other piece of it was, you know, what I also experienced is there's a book about breathwork, there's a book about meditation, there's a book about this, there's a, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. And I do not pretend for one minute to be the expert in any of this. The idea was to kind of put myself in this journey of, you know, getting, of, of feeling better, right? So getting grounded and starting to kind of notice and prepare my myself, mobilize myself, and then um, kind of listen to the signals of um, what what my, you know, how, how my body responds to things, listen to my gut, listen to my heart. And that led to these 10 themes um, and 50 rituals. And so the book is kind of told in the story of the experience itself of growth um, versus just the actual um, ritual, if you will, in the context of the ritual or the genesis of the ritual. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, sure. And, you know, a ritual are, are profound, and they're found in all traditions. They're found throughout time. People have always used rituals. So in putting this book together, what have you come to understand about the purpose of rituals? Let's start there before we get into some of the rituals that you include in your book. But let's talk about rituals and why they are important for our our life or for living in a balanced way? Yeah, it's a great question. I think of a ritual as a habit or even something that's unseen that you may do every day that it's so um, embedded in your daily approach to life, you don't even see it anymore. It's like the art of good design. (laughs) And what I... So for me, the purpose of a ritual is to be uh, one that's something that you can easily incorporate and it becomes part of your own, um, I don't know, constitution, if you will, that then allows you to see the benefit from that. And so the idea in kind of at least in my approach was to offer up not only the ritual, but what might trigger to think about a ritual, given they are sometimes invisible. And so I've included what I would call these thought bubbles. Uh, you know, everyone has them, right? The, you're sitting around the table and people have thoughts going on in their head and sometimes people are willing to share them and sometimes they just kind of hang out up there. So I was trying to kind of really understand what is a thought bubble that might trigger um at least exploration to look at a different ritual or a technique that you can try out anywhere, depending on where you are. And 
and then just spelling that out and having people try it and, and really pay attention to how they feel afterwards. Um, and kind of that became the kind of the litmus test, if you will, of once you incorporated that ritual into your life, um, do you feel better? Do you notice when you don't do it? Um, that kind of approach seemingly became the purpose for why I really focused on the ritual itself. That's great because I think rituals uh, play a really important role in our lives. I mean, there are many rituals. And for some people, a ritual is getting up, making the coffee, <laughs> putting the toast in the oven or in the toaster, you know, and reading the paper, right? I mean, that can be a ritual if you look at right. it as something that's done on a repetitious basis. But but really what what you're talking about in, in your book, Living Full Circle, is a ritual that helps us to become more aware, more present, a ritual that allows us to install uh, either a perception of life or a behavior that is enhancing our health, our sense of well-being, our inner peace, and just living life in a more mindful way, which isn't necessarily the automatic way that people live their lives, right? Not not in our culture. Maybe in Bhutan they do, but they don't do it in our culture. So uh, rituals are a great way to focus our intention and attention on things that bring us into a greater connection with ourselves and balance in our life. Would you Would you agree with that? Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. And I think the building on that, given your, your comment about it's one thing to say, hey, I want to feel better, or wow, I know there's better ways to improve my life, or I have this goal for myself. Uh, it's one way that, one thing to kind of describe that, it's another thing to actually kind of go after the steps that's going to help make that happen and be able to sustain that. And so why this is separated into these 10 themes is I think people it's kind of breaking it down into micro um, steps, if you will, to your point about creating the awareness. Um, because sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and we don't even realize the things that we that we do do that help us feel better. And then we don't choose it because for whatever reason. So the idea here was to kind of break all that apart and help people see um, and maybe see different perspectives along the way and, and little things that you can do in two minutes or less with not a lot of cost um, that you can start to feel a little bit different and see the results. So it's a great book, but it has real value if you pick up these rituals and do them, right? I mean, it's not just reading them. You know, the real benefit is you've got, hopefully you're inspired to take some action. So, so um, and, you know, what is, what are some of your favorite rituals that you do or that you have in your book? Hopefully that you do as well, you know, that that have meant the most to you. Yeah, that's a great question too. And um, I have um, really incorporated this into my life. I feel like this is almost a, a manifesto, if you will, of some choices that I, I needed to make for me um, you know as you can appreciate when you're um, 
a part of, you know, a company that's fast-paced and you're a mom and you have kids and lots of responsibilities, um, things kind of get put on the back burner. And a lot of times that's even time for, for me. And the other thing is just, you know, while I felt like I ate well and, you know, certainly I, I run and feel like I have a decent exercise plan, I also noticed other things that were happening in my body and whether it's stiffness or my joints or just different things. And so um, for me, I especially started to every morning when I wake up, you know, I begin with my own prayer of gratitude, if you will. Um, but I'm very intentional about it in terms of just being grateful um, for my breath and for my body that's working. And I then move into kind of just a quick oil massage on my feet. Um, I've struggled a little bit with, with my joints um, running so much, and that's really, really decreased the pain for me and helped me do something about about that naturally. Um, but I really listen to myself, too. I, I feel like I've taken a lot more, um, what do I want to say, just ownership in my own intuitive feeling about things and make decisions um, that really are aligned with kind of what I need and what I want. And I would say in the past, sometimes that felt very selfish. Um, so I'm trying to really learn and, and explore that or you know, what does that really mean when I know that I take care of myself, I can show up better for my family and my friends and community and, and things that are really important to me in the world. So right off, you know, I think my morning time has become really sacred. I'm not flying out the door. Um, I stopped caffeine. I don't, I don't need my cup of coffee, but I have other rituals of lemon water and um, things that slow me down and journaling and, and reading. Um, I get a lot done in the morning um, before I get on the computer and, and start to go after some work. So that's that's probably one big change that I've had um, versus the last 10 years of my life. Well, that sounds like a really good change. You know, um, I certainly start my day with meditation. I, I've done that. Years, uh, you know, that's just it's just part of my routine. I just get up and I just go sit and meditate. So that's just how it is. You know, um, um, just about every day I do that unless something exceptional happens. And and I do have my hot water and lemon juice every morning (laughs) as well, which has been a that's that's been a ritual I've done for years and years and years. So you know, uh, to be able to start your day with an intention rather than just jump up into the shower, you know, and start running around is so powerful. It just sets the energy and the tone and I would like to say the frequency of the day, which, you know, for some people it may sound crazy, but the truth of the matter is we are setting an energy that can move us through the day if we take a little time to nourish our spirit, our soul, and honor that, you know, just stay centered and stay connected to ourselves. That's what I find. Uh, It sounds like you experience it in a similar way. Absolutely. And you're speaking about energy and 
you know, I I think before my certification, while I understood energy and not just the energy that you necessarily get from food, but to your point, the the energy that you feel in terms of being in a zone and, and just feeling like you can um, just go forever, if you will, I started to pay attention to what I'll say, just kind of the networks of energy, right? So the one that we feel in our body, the one that we sometimes are uh, kind of enveloped by in terms of, I call it the the electronic prison, if you, if you will, of just all the energy that's around us. And so another part of that's really changed kind of me is how I'm more intentional about ensuring that I've kind of decluttered, if you will, um, the energy zones. And so one of the themes of the book is to kind of really make more accessible the idea of chakras and, you know, what they are in terms of these energy wheels that connect the different parts of our body and connect us to each other. And so just spend some time really understanding ways to kind of pay attention to where energy gets stuck and how to kind of move that energy through and why is it stuck. And um, so that's been another, I think, significant change for me. I think in the past it's like I'm just going to go for a run and work it all out. <laughs> um, and that was my alone time. And now I think I pay much more attention to my overall energy and what I can do about it intentionally with just some other techniques. That's fantastic because it sounds like during this program, this Ayurvedic program, right, that Ayurveda mm-hmm. program has brought you into um, a, a more mindful place, you know, being more aware of that spiritual dimension of yourself, taking care of that part of you. Absolutely. And while the book is grounded kind of in the in that certification, um, it also kind of allowed me to acknowledge um, kind of other um, other rituals, if you will, from whether it's Qi, uh, Qigong. Um, I had the opportunity to, to work with a master in Qigong over the last five years who's just a brilliant um, man. I'll say his name, Lee Holden. I actually get to spend some time with him today. And and as well as just even my own, um, um, just what I want to say, faith-based practices of who I am and, and what I represent. And so all of these things kind of come together, and it's almost like building your own map um, for yourself and what makes sense so that you can show up and, and really feel good about yourself and 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 how you want to be in the world, if you will. That's so powerful, isn't it? Because that's the most important thing you can achieve in a lifetime, is feeling that connection with yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the also the, the piece of it that's subtle in the question that you're asking me is, um, you know, right or wrong, and it's not meant to be judgmental. I think I personally got into an autopilot mode with my life, um, you know, whether it's what I needed to accomplish and the to-do list and the next 
you know, list for tomorrow, going to bed even thinking about that, and, you know, the list never ends, right? And and so it's this idea of of just thinking about what it means to, to be and to do and how those two worlds can come together. And I think we, in the past, I think, and, and maybe less today, but the being has kind of been scoffed at in some cultures um, because no one could see the visible benefit of just being, right? And and even the, the world of play and the importance of play in kids and all of the things that we know are so healthy in the, in the development and growth of people, um, we've kind of put them on the side and not fully integrated those things into our lives as adults as we get into the business of making money and providing for our families and, you know, achieving the things that we want in our career. And so part of the intention for me in this in this book was to really just acknowledge the power of slowing down and the importance of it and how that just feeds the other parts of your body that you sometimes ignore and it allows you to really um, step forward and, and probably um, even show up in a better way. Um, and that just sometimes gets lost. And um, I wanted to be able to try to find effective ways to bring the importance of that forward. Yeah, that's so beautiful because uh, I think the one of the benefits of rituals in my life is to slow me down, is to take a moment and focus on what's really important. You know, the ritual just makes you more aware, whether it's the breath or whether it's um, a mantra, whether it's a you know yoga postures. But it just it allows you to have a moment when you can recalibrate what's really important in life, what's really true about who we are and why we're here, rather than going on automatic, which is always the problem. When we go on automatic, we are no longer really present in our life. So, okay, so um, let's talk about some of your favorite rituals. You've written, you have 10 chapters, and you have different different rituals, and, you know, it's, it's kind of um, clever, the things you've done, of taking your thought bubble, which is my your negative thoughts, <laughs> and then looking at <laughs> rituals and, and how you can kind of interpret that. So what what are your favorite ones that you would like to share with everyone today? Oh, wow. Uh, there's so many. So I would say, you know, in terms of how I start my day, um, I have a, a battery of things now in my bathroom that I never had in my bathroom before um, because I do the oil swishing, I scrape my tongue, I look at my tongue to kind of understand my digestion and if I ate something the day before that didn't really agree with my body and I'm just, so there's this whole notion of just kind of watching the signals um, and mobilizing myself for the day by just checking the things that I didn't normally pay attention to. So I would say I do that um, every day and notice, and it's not necessarily the first time you do it. It's just over time, like being able to really see a pattern of, um, you know, what you might have indulged in and what you re- your body didn't really need or how you felt afterwards and it makes you think twice the next time. So I guess that's the first piece. Um the sensing. I said the other the other ones that I love is just the um, 
watching where my routine kind of gets stale. And so this was more in the kind of the practicing. I do journal. It sounds very, um, you know, what's new about that? Um, but I, I've noticed that I've started to create haiku poems. Uh, I think the haiku is just this, you know, it's a part of a culture of Japanese tradition, right? And there's tons of stories around the development of these simple poems. But there's a creativity in it that allows us to express things that maybe um, is a little bit different than the way a, a typical, at least my typical journal was. So I do practice creating poems. Um, I write them in my notes on my phone when I'm on the subway. I um, do it when I'm with people that I've just met and um, kind of find ways to get to know people in a different way. So I think that's another one that I've um, utilized to kind of increase engagement in different ways to get to know myself and what I might be feeling about something. And I'd say the last one that I would just offer up is is more just noticing um, the time of the day and how my body's aligned to what's happening with the seasons and paying attention to the transition from season to season and really trying to acknowledge what that season means. So, you know, the the solstice, the winter solstice, the longest day of the year is coming up. And that makes, you know, me um, really acknowledge the how dark it is and how to kind of think about my own energy and how I want to show up in that and how I want to think about that and um, and in, in between seasons, I think specifically, I'm, I'm very adamant of doing a, a fast, um, a liver fast in particular, and just kind of cleaning out a lot of um, what I would just say toxins and, you know, friends are reminding me of the viruses that live within us and how we need to kind of get them out of us um, and really kind of being intentional about the season and the change and setting an intention for the next season. So those are three that um, specifically come to mind. I'm sure there's there's more I could share. You know, I love talking about seasons. That's a great um, topic we can just focus on a little bit because I've been so aware over the years of the different energies of the season and the need to pay attention to what those energies are how they are impacting us so like you said now we're going into the winter solstice it's the longest it's the longest night you know we have the greatest darkness and then all of a sudden you know at 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 this point december 21st 22nd we go into the cycle of when the light's returning but it's the deepest darkest depths of the year we go we go deep into silence and Paying attention to these energies have, I think, has been profound for my life. And it leads me to another thought, actually, about understanding the cycles when it comes to women and our and our um, energetics and our hormones and you know what's going on with our monthly cycle. But I'll just stick with uh, with the seasonal cycles because you know this is a time of year when everything goes is withdrawn, and I'm sure you've learned that from Ayurveda, and I've learned that from TCM. Going to different Chinese medicine, it's the energetics of when things go deep inside. 
it's like the time of regeneration at the seed is being filled with energy for a new life, which hasn't yet come to being. So it's a time when we really should be quiet and more internalized, right? And and um, not so externalized and not spending you know, long hours up and partying, even though it is the party season, which is kind of crazy because it's the exact opposite energy of what nature <laughs> is telling us to do, right? And, and and the more I paid attention to the seasons and, you know, when spring comes, you feel the energy, you feel this vitality bubbling up, you know, it's the time when things are, are uh, coming into new life and, you know, and so on and so forth. It's like paying attention because we are committed to nature and if we pay attention to these cycles, we get into more harmony and balance physically, emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually with ourselves as we pay attention and work with these energies. Have you found that to be so as well? Absolutely. I I appreciate you kind of pausing on this. You know, it kind of goes back to our, you know, over-tendency to do, you know, the same thing every day. Um, and despite the seasonal change, though there are the seasonal cues that we love, right? We love summer and and we love you know, fall or to your point, the flowers that come up in the spring and and what I've I guess more paid attention to more than ever given just the focus on the planet and climate and and the environment, those are just a reminders of how connected we are to the planet, right? To Earth and to the moon and, and just how we're a part of all of that interconnected ecosystem and so for me, not only everything that you're describing in terms of just being sensitized to what's happening inside of me, um, but also being even more understanding and compassionate for what's happening, um, you know, in the environment itself and paying even more attention to that. So I guess, you know, given my kind of career goal and, and thinking about the bigger challenges and best practices and, you know, there's a ton of focus on sustainable development and sustainable eating patterns and uh, sustainable, um, uh, the regeneration, which you mentioned. And I think if, if we can get more in tune to our own energy and the shifts of the season and really honor those seasons in a way that uh, I think we're meant to be honored, I think there's even more impact to be had on the the planet as far as far fetching as that can sound but i I really believe that well i I agree I think the more mindful we become of our connection to nature, the more balanced we become, and the more balanced we become, the more people that become balanced through the energetic shift that's happening that affects everything. That's what I've been learning lately is that how powerful it is as we get into balance, which is why take us back to this whole subject of rituals because if rituals are designed to make us more mindful of who we are and um, of who we truly are, you know, just stopping from our, you know, crazy that race life and just taking a moment to remember how we can move through life in a more balanced, peaceful, grateful, joyful way, and we are actually contributing to changes that are happening, uh, you know, on a 
consciousness level. So they're they're important. They just make a stop. I mean, I I you know I love the topic of rituals. I think everyone should find the rituals that work for them. And like you said, it doesn't need to take a lot of time in your day. It just needs to take um, the commitment to an awareness. So so let's let's talk about a couple of things that you have found that maybe you use in your life or you recommend in your book that you can share with my audience of simple rich a simple ritual or a couple of simple ritual suggestions that they could incorporate into their lives. Hmm. Well, I I always think the most powerful one is noticing your own breath. And you know, so for me getting grounded and that was an expression that was kind of always used, but I never really kind of understood the um, the power of the breath and its role in helping me become more grounded. Um, so I think the the most important ritual is understanding your own your own breath and what I called breath IQ. And you know that you know the thought bubble and all that is there's so many distractions and people can't focus. Um, sometimes the way they want to be able to focus. And so this idea of just noticing your breath and following it in and out of your nose and noticing the pace of it and the temperature of it and the depth of it um, and even the um, your body's reaction to your own breath, if it's shallow or if you're, you know, if it's deep into your belly, all of those things, I think, um, become really important in terms of, feeling grounded because it's the breath work itself that um, especially when you're what I would say days are full and overscheduled um, or all the demands that you have and the pressures that tend to distract um, anyone from being able to stay focused. um, Paying attention to breath is the first step um, in being able to be more focused and be more present. So that would be my number one my number one suggestion, if you will. You know, I, I love talking about the breath. I um, have been very aware of the breath for a long time. For a long time, I actually taught a breathing technique called rebirthing, and I trained people in it. And so for, for many decades, it has given me an awareness of the power of the breath. And the beautiful thing about the breath is that it doesn't – cost anything you know you don't have to you don't need any any gadgets any 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 accoutrements you just need to remember to focus on taking a breath and the breath can just balance us open up all our energy centers um reduce stress make us more present it's so amazing that we carry this fantastic gift within us if we just stop to pay attention so, exactly. Okay. So, so if we're talking about the breath, what, what is it that people can do to remind themselves to take a breath? Do you have a suggestion for that? Well, I think there's plenty of cues already in the environment for that on our electronics and the watches. Um, but I set huh. my alarm a lot. I set my alarm so that I don't have to worry about time. 
and, you know, five minutes before I was um, having the opportunity to speak with you, my alarm went off at, you know, 12.55, and that allowed me to just take a deep breath and get present and be focused. So to me, it's like building your own cues um, that are comfortable for you, that you know or you're you know, um, for yourself. Um, the other, though, I just want to get this one in, too, because I, I was thinking about other rituals um, that I remember struggling with at the beginning but then became kind of another go-to for me, and that's the hand gesture. Um, they're traditionally known as mudras, but, you know, even if you think about self-assurance and being able to put your hand in a specific way where you're noticing that each finger kind of moves differently, a couple of those hand gestures I couldn't do right away. And it was like, wow, like why, you know, I I haven't really used my fingers like that before. And so that made me, that created some discomfort. But over time, you know, every day or even when I was waking up in the morning and, and a lot of times when I'm in a meeting or on a long phone conference call, if I'm noticing my, um, whether it's, you know, self-assurance or accepting really what's being expressed, um, I've used those hand gestures to get me really really present, um, and I notice my own shifts when I use them. Well, that's so interesting. I mean, I love that story that you couldn't even do them at first. What do you think changed? either within you or to allow you to do mudras that you weren't able to do before? Was Did you notice something changing inside you, or was it just practicing using those fingers <laughs> and then making those connections? You know, I all I can share is I think it's a couple things. One, I realized how I didn't even really know my own body or my own body parts um, or I overused um, certain ones and ignored other ones. I didn't know where my liver was. I mean, I think I knew, but I didn't really <laughs> feel it and, and, you know, <laughs> and listen to it the way I do now. And, and I think the hands are very similar um, given we're seemingly on our phones or typing more on the computer and maybe not handwriting, um, writing handwritten notes as much. Um, and I played the piano when I was younger, um, but I don't, don't necessarily use the fingers like I did in the past or when I was younger or creating things. And so it just reminded me of um, getting in tune with my, my body, every everybody part that shows up, even the ones that I don't acknowledge. And I think that made me more aware um, self-aware of just certain, you know, impacts on those on those parts <laughs> and their ability to show up. So it was a, it's great. It was a good, um, it, it was a good part of this whole journey of um, tapping and listening to other people's pulses and really listening to the body in a way that uh, was new for me, at least. Maybe not new for others, but it was certainly new for me. You know, it sounds like that was an amazing program that you participated in. And from what you've been sharing, it's just brought so much new awareness into your life that has been really serving you. 
on on your journey to healing and health? Well, and some of it's intuitive, right? Like our body language speaks volumes, even when we don't even know. Even if we're not paying attention to our body language, other people see it. And so it's kind of finding a way to mirror um, my own body language and ensuring that I'm signaling exactly what kind of action I want. Um, And sometimes I think we're giving our bodies mixed signals. And so it's part of the, um, you know, approach to create self-awareness, not only of my own feelings, um, but also just my body, um, self-awareness in my body itself. So, yeah, so just continuing on that, uh, well, I just want to say, Dundee, just continuing on that theme, I'm talking about rituals and the gifts that come from working with rituals, having more awareness of rituals, and it just sounds like this book has grown out of your journey through rituals, uh, being more aware of um, simple things that bring you into awareness. So just, you know, can you just share a little bit more about what your experience has been in your life through becoming aware of rituals, how they have really supported you on your journey in this lifetime? Um. Gosh, that's a that's a great question. I I think one thing that I would be remiss if I didn't share is having other people be a witness um, as I went through this kind of self growth, if you will, was really really powerful because I think we get in our heads about who we are and how we think we show up in the world but yet when you have a witness or someone that's really there to support you in your own kind of circle of community circle of you know trusted trusted friends and advisors um a whole a lot of other insight starts to come to life right so one of the reasons why each of these 10 themes that are what i guess are chapters in this book also have what i would call a spotlight on an individual these individuals um, are really important to me because while I didn't know many of them you know a year ago or two years ago I think the longest I've known any of them is maybe five years they all went on their own personal commitment to really improve themselves in some type of certification program some knowledge that they um, very much wanted to bring into their life so that they could have a better impact and live their purpose. And so to your question, I think one of the things that was just so powerful for me is how I how I thought I was showing up, I wasn't. And how I was thought I was showing up for myself, I really wasn't. And was struggling with, well, why am I not seeing the results I want? Or why am I not um, being able to accomplish this the way that I wanted to and why didn't I achieve that uh, success that I wanted and I just think that the power of being interconnected with other people and the community and that part of this um, is so powerful and it allowed me to see my own relationships in life and be really 
you know, open and honest about the relationships that, you know, weren't always the best for me or weren't, you know, balanced of giving and receiving or were or served another purpose that kind of distracted from who I really wanted to be. And um, and I don't want to minimize that or, or kind of under or overstate it, but I just, to your question, I just think people and witnessing each other and having these powerful transformative experiences together and watching, you know, the ritual and how it affected me. And you know better than I. I mean, you've been doing this way longer in terms of breathwork and some of the powerful things that you've brought into the world. To see someone discover that for the first time, sometimes it's hard to get back in touch with that discovery in that sense. And, you know, I think people just wake up at different times of their life and with different ways. And to be the witness for that and be supportive for that and encourage that to me has been the most treasured gift that I could have ever experienced in in this expression of the book. Yeah, that's really beautiful because people, well, we we need community to thrive and they are our mirrors anyway. So we learn about ourselves in community. So that's that's beautiful. Um, You know, as we're coming to the end of our conversation, I thought maybe it's a good idea for us to go through the 10 different chapters of the book, just kind of briefly mention them, and uh, which has those each chapter has their own unique ritual associated with them. So we can just kind of give an overview for people who are listening. Okay, I'd love to do that. So there are 10 themes in the book. Um, the first theme is grounding, which is really focused on connecting body and mind. And the the technique that I mentioned, breath IQ, is is in that space in that chapter. Uh, the second is in mobilizing. So once I've grounded myself, I want to mobilize and grease the wheels, so to speak. So this really involves um, the resilience of you know your joints and the joint scan and um, noticing your your belly and your digest your digestion and those types of things. So first is grounding, then mobilizing. The third is signaling. So these are the hand gestures um, that I spoke about. Um, fourth is then sensing. You know, diagnosing those hidden barriers that hold you back. So the tongue IQ, looking at your tongue, the finger tapping, self massage. Are you warming up um, before you're you know going fast? Um, and then after sensing the zoning, um, this is the the area that I talked about clearing all the cluttered spaces in your in your energy and your chakra. So I kind of take the um, the Roy G. Biv approach, if you will, to our chakras. As you know, each chakra has a color, and it happens to be the color of the rainbow. And so I outline it by what I call the red zone, the orange zone, the yellow zone, with each of those kind of having their own energetic um a technique and and a mantra that goes along with it um the next is the shifting so really starting to change things up so you know if the fifth is zoning and you kind of cleared out the clutter now it's kind of preparing um to bring in some new rituals if you will so that chapter on shifting um really starts to get down to looking at the overall routine of the day and then seven is transitioning. So this 
gets into more food and how you think about breaking your fast in the morning and identifying ways to transition for significant change. And it even gets, for me, into the seasons that I spoke about. Um, chapter 8 is about practicing. And, and as you know, a routine is only a routine if you've practiced it um, enough times that it becomes more intuitive. So there's a handful of um, approaches that someone might want to consider or even sparking new ways to practice on, on your own. The ninth is owning it. So this is kind of noticing what flows, getting more sharp in our self-awareness, if you will. But it does talk a lot about um, detoxing from EMF. Um, it speaks to kind of watching the sun and the sunset as well as even a three-day liver rejuvenation um, is outlined in there, which is what I use when I go from season to season. And then finally, the last chapter is spiraling. And, you know, this to me is all about healing from the inside out, and it gets back to our conversation about nature and the spirals that are naturally, that naturally exist in the trees, right, and in shells. And um, so for me, while... Some of the techniques are about rejuvenation and a rejuvenating bath or ways to think about your skin. This is also where I brought the haiku poem forward in terms of our own creativity as we spiral up. Spiraling sometimes feels like that word of just crashing. And to me, nature is just full of wonderful spirals. And I wanted to reframe that and really think about what it meant to heal from the inside out. So uh, those are the ten. Wow, that's wonderful. So um, if people would like to find and work with the simple ancient rituals for modern life, book, Living Full Circle, Donita, where can they go? What's the best website to send people to? So my website um, will be up soon. So that's com. And the Simon & Schuster is the publisher, and they have a button that takes you to a variety of uh, buttons that you can purchase the book, whether it's Barnes & Noble or Amazon, et cetera. There you go. So Dundina.com or go up to Simon & Schuster. I'm sure Amazon will be having your book. I know it's just come out. It's just come out. We're here I don't know if I'm the first interview you've done, but I'm probably one of the earliest people in on on, you on are. your release. You are. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, fantastic! I, I'm glad we're part of launching it, and uh, you know, uh, uh, it's such a pleasure to talk with you, Danina. I just wish you the greatest success in this book, spreading this important message, this healing journey that you're sharing with people. It's really been a pleasure and absolute delight to talk to you today. Well, thank you for inviting me, and, and I appreciate your consistency and your persistence and all that you do. And so thanks so much for including me in this. You're so welcome. And to all of you listening, thank you for joining me, and may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now. See you next time. Mm-hmm.